Welcome again to the Journey Visions podcast, a podcast series by the participants of the EIT Climate Cake Summer School. This podcast strives to interconnect between the journeys, bring transparency into our learning and share our common interests. We are Nora from the Northern Lights Journey and Mustafa from the Transalpine Journey. Today we speak with one of our participants, Emma Heiling. Welcome, Emma. Hi, thank you for having me. Emma, we would like to start with talking more about your background, your studies, and what brought you to the journey and so on. Would you please tell us more about that? Yeah, so I just finished uh, in June, I just finished my bachelor's degree at Cambridge University in the UK, where I did a course called Land Economy, which is basically a combination of law, economics, and environment, sustainable development, etc. So this is kind of a broad overview. Um, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, that sounds all great. And uh, also during your studies as well, did you have any relation with the climate cake journey? So I didn't actually know about the climate cake journey until quite recently. Um, so it was only, so I've heard of other universities in the Netherlands, for example, where the universities actually promoted this. But I actually heard it by chance from uh, a friend at uni who sent it to me because she knew I was interested in the climate related um, issues and, and opportunities. So she sent it to me and it looked really interesting. So that's, that's when I applied. That sounds great. And from what I have read as well, you were already a bit involved with a couple of projects related to sustainability based on what I have read as well and what you have told me before. Would you please tell us more about these projects that you you have started or been a vice president at? Mm -hmm. um, so I started to get interested in climate issues, interestingly through a different, maybe a sort of different route, which is the kind of animal rights route. Um, so I was quite interested, I'm, I'm still interested in um, and passionate about animal rights. So I know quite a lot about animal agriculture and every, all the issues with it. And that's when I kind of got into the climate issues as well, since they're very much related. And so at university, I was um, involved in different societies. So this was the vegan society as one where I was president. And um, this was my college green society, for example, where we tried to implement different green changes around college. Then this was, for example, a sustainable investment society where we tried to encourage the college as well as the university in a different society. Uh, to divest from fossil fuels and to invest sustainably. And so there were various um, societies, or for example, the Environmental Consulting Society, uh, where I started a food sustainability project to encourage different colleges to change their menus uh, to a more sustainable um, menu and to increase their plant-based options and to reduce food waste. And from what I see here, you have also co-founded Talk. And that yeah. sounds really interesting from the website as well. Would you mind sharing a bit about it with us as well? Yes, so a couple of months ago, um, I started this new organization with a friend uh, from university called Climate Talk. Uh, so basically a combination between the words of climate and talk. And what we found is that it's often quite difficult to understand climate policy issues and topics related to climate policy uh, when you're not really involved 
in this area but are interested in it and even if you are interested in it it's often difficult to understand even when you're reading news articles let alone scientific papers or different uh, arguments because they mention so many theories um, terminology institutions uh, different reports and it's often really difficult to get an overview and to actually know what they mean so this was one of our goals is to create an accessible platform where we explain all of those different topics terminologies related to climate policy so we write short articles and also ask other young people to write short articles for us and we design posts for social media to make this accessible and for everyone to be able to understand it and another thing that we wanted to do is uh, which was very much reflected in uh, the climate cake journey as well is that there are so many different projects uh, individuals doing different things different organizations all working on a climate policy or climate change in in general i'm very interested in this area and i didn't know so many of them that we now discovered so that's what we wanted to do is to present and showcase the work of especially young people in this area be it as an individual climate activist or um, presenting their work in this area or presenting different projects. Um, so we've had uh, young people who co-founded, who like founded a sustainable clothing brand, someone who uh, founded a different platform and so many different people, someone who founded a youth organization, youth climate environment organization, Africa, and was already present in different uh, international conferences. So that's been really interesting and also something we wanted to uh, to showcase. Well, that sounds like you have been all over the place. You have worked in so many different areas as well. But So let me try just to rephrase it. So is the aim of climate talk at the end, you try to simplify as well the scientific concepts and the dry data that also young people can understand and relate to it more about the climate change? Yes, so what we're focusing a bit more on the policy side rather than on the science side, although obviously that's really interesting when we're already like we're definitely also covering this. But for example, what we've been doing is explain reports like standard ones, the Paris Agreement, the 1.5 IPCC special report. Um, we've explained concepts such as the tragedy of the commons, explained technical issues such as um, how big data is related to climate change and uh, what's been done in this area. Um, so it's quite diverse because climate policy is a huge area. It's really triggering me to would like to know as well, okay, what happened or what motivated you to become so engaged in sustainable development? You work in so many different areas of sustainable development. Was there a trigger point or it developed through time? I think the more I read about climate change, the more I realized that it would be stupid to work on anything else, because if we don't solve this, anything else that I would be doing would be kind of useless in a couple of years. And it's especially, I feel like it's now is so important to work on it. So I didn't want to uh, kind of wait until I have a kind of proper job, if I can say like that, um, uh, to work on it, because we're kind of passing tipping points as we go. So these years are really crucial to do something. So that's kind of been my, maybe slightly depressing, but motivator. <laughs> uh, 
I'm totally with you. I have the same thing. It's like I can't imagine doing anything else than working to try to save our planet one way or the other. So can you tell us a bit about the project you've been working on within Climate Kick? Because we've been working in smaller teams and what was the exact project you were working on? Uh, so the project we were working on in my team was called Donut City and I don't know if you've heard of the donut economy, but it's basically a concept developed by Kate Rayworth, uh, which is a sort of circular economy, but taking into account um, kind of social foundations and um, minimum social needs, as well as planetary boundaries, so that we can live in this socially uh, just and fair space for humanity that's both good for the environment as well as socially. And Amsterdam has committed to develop uh, such a donut model for their city <laughs> and it's still very much at the start so they've committed to this until 2050 they want to be a donut city but they've uh, created working groups and have kind of invited Kate Rayworth and have committed to and looked into this concept and we thought it's a shame that Amsterdam is currently the only city who has that has committed to this sort of model and even though other cities are working definitely on similar projects but not as part of the donut economy. So we thought it would be really good to have more European cities actually look into this model and try to uh, conform and commit to this model and also create working groups, connect different departments because it's all about connection and looking at the whole system of the city. So what we created was a platform where we wanted to encourage citizens of different EU cities to uh, encourage their cities and their city governments to also commit to the donut model. So it's obviously still very much a plan, but for example, we wanted to create working groups in different cities, then support those working groups with pressuring their government, with getting connections, with getting a network uh, within EU cities. And in the end to, first of all, raise awareness, because I think many people aren't aware of the donut economy. And secondly, to convince more EU cities to commit to this model. Yes, how oh, wonderful. So to what extent do you feel like you're going to take on on this project after the journey? Is it a beautiful plan you wrote right now and you're going to leave it with your team or have you actually discussed with them like maybe we can take this further? So I think we haven't quite decided yet because I think it was quite an ambitious project and since all of the others in my team are still in their studies it would be probably quite difficult to take it on as a full-time thing. But what we have done is like for our individual action plans, many of us have committed to trying this in our own cities on a local basis. So I'm doing it in Vienna. Um, someone else is doing it in the Netherlands. So, and I think we can see how this goes and if it's really successful, then we can kind of think more about actually um, starting this platform. Okay, so you're actually taking the project um, into your individual action plan. Yeah. How is that going so far? To be honest, it's been a bit challenging. <laughs> um, so I've tried to get in touch with, with a few people and someone from the, like an expert from the Climate Kick journey has been super helpful. And we've had a call and she has talked, like she's told me about many people who would be good to contact. Also had the good idea to, for me to create a network because she thinks that many people are interested in it and maybe even working on 
on this in their own departments, but don't know of each other. So to create a network would be really helpful. But I think maybe it's because it's it's summer and many people are away, but it's kind of been difficult to actually reach people. So I've sent a lot of emails, but haven't heard that much back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got in touch with different like climate movements in, in Vienna as well. And I'm waiting to hear back from them because they, they said they'd be happy to help and know quite a bit about what's happening. Absolutely. It's a start. And actually, I'm experiencing the same thing. It's the summer <laughs> days. <laughs> Send out some emails, but it's taking a while. But also, of course, we still have some time to go. So when the journey is over, unfortunately, it will end at one point. Would you still continue working on your individual plan? Or... I think so. I mean, it depends how, how it goes in the next few weeks and how people react, because I haven't really heard that much yet. But I think I might as well continue because I'm taking a gap year next year. So I would have time for um, an extra project. <laughs> and it would be something that I'm quite interested in and passionate about to see how this could be implemented in Vienna. Sounds great. Really excited uh, also for the, for the other individual action plans, how they're actually going to work out. Something else about the journey. Of course, it was hard work, but is there also a funny moment you recall? Oh, there are definitely a lot of funny moments. <laughs> oh, it's difficult to think of a specific one because I know like we had such a good time in the entire journey. So I think, yeah, I'm sure like there were funny moments in every, every day. So that's kind of, yeah, it's hard to think of a specific one. It's harder than actually answering the questions about a, about a project plan. I get that. <laughs> I, I totally understand your point, Emma, here. I mean, there are lots of fine moments during the journey, but it's hard to put it on a spot and that was it. Like, yes, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I'm glad the same. Well, I, I don't know about your journey, but for example, what, what I remember clearly is that we had a lot of dancing involved. <laughs> Dancing was our, our little energizer and um, it's super awkward to stand in front of your laptop, especially if you're in a shared working space. But the best thing is, of course, if everyone is doing it. So, um, yeah, that's true. Now, I do remember a time when we had a cross journey meeting and I was with the coaches from the Northern Lights journey and they they made us do dancing as well. <laughs> Another thing I remember. <laughs> It sort of becomes our signature uh, yeah. journey uh, activity. I, yeah. I also yeah. did Another find thing that was great was different, which is, I'm sure was the case in all journeys, but different Zoom backgrounds were hilarious. Like <laughs> we've Edward. had people in our journey who um, <laughs> adapted the Zoom background according to what we were do currently doing. And some people who, um, someone who then recorded himself as a video and then he could kind of get up during the call but was still there <laughs> so zoom backgrounds is definitely something that we had in this journey that we wouldn't have had in an actual <laughs> real life scenario <laughs> yeah it was definitely fun and so much fun at some point as well and i remember having sometimes hard time explaining that i am working and i'm just jumping up and down and dancing so yeah i can recall many as well Okay, Emma, I would like to ask you one more thing about also, we all talk about climate change and sustainable development and so on and so forth. However, how do we make sure that we also don't miss the point and we are not in an echo chamber? 
how are you doing that in your personal life as well that we are all more or less likely minded we are taking care of that in a way or another at least it's in our minds how do you reach out to people who really don't have these backgrounds that is a very good question <laughs> that i've honestly been been struggling with because you are when you're in this climate and sustainability scene you're always in this sort of bubble where everyone as you said is like-minded and it's difficult it's really difficult to reach out to uh, to others at least that's what i've i've experienced i think yeah it's it depends on what your your aim is because for example if you have a really big movement that's in the media that's in on social media such as for example the fridays for future movement that's a way to definitely reach out to people who weren't who maybe weren't were interested or maybe were aware of the climate problem before but weren't really ready to commit time to this but obviously we can't all start a um, <laughs> global worldwide movement um so yeah i think it depends on the individual campaign and on the individual topic that you're focusing on because that would be very different like how you would reach out to people within that context may I also ask you it might sound a bit personal but what's your personal vision in that perspective and what are you doing every day to achieve that vision like actual steps do you mean like vision for the future or yes i mean i guess the general vision is to stop climate change at a point where it's still create like where it's still possible to have a decent life for not only humans but all living beings on this on this planet another vision that i'm working on is obviously to convince more people to transition to a plant-based lifestyle and to generally spread kind of the vegan movement i guess and because i think that all all living beings should deserve to live and we don't need animal products this is from a totally like animal based ethical perspective but obviously also for the climate yeah and another thing would be to to have a complete kind of system change and stop looking at economic growth and have different indicators of what a successful economy and what a successful um, kind of development means which isn't economic growth then let me ask you one last thing i really would like to know now you became very successful in your career you are bell gates you are jeff bezos what <laughs> change will you make what change will you actually do as actions when you're in that position you mean when i'm like in a if i'm in a high position exactly oh that's i mean it depends which position because different positions have different um um have different kind of responsibilities you became angela merkel let's say uh -huh. what would you do actual steps you will take actual steps i would make sure that the i mean it sounds like a cliche but i would make sure that climate change is actually treated as a crisis because right now it's if you look at covid world leaders have kind of recognized at least most of them most of them um, <laughs> that this is a crisis that we have to tackle and climate change is now being talked about but the actions don't really <laughs> are not really aligned um second thing i would do is if i'm in such a position is to give power to 
kind of environmental voices and to different voices other than uh, currently where it's the big companies that have a lot of money who can afford to lobby governments and who have a kind of a big influence which is what you just saw in I mean in many other countries but the example I can think of is in in Germany where they now agreed to phase out coal, uh, coal till 2038 whilst paying coal companies billions which is kind of ridiculous in my opinion <laughs> but kind of to shift this power balance to a different direction and to shift subsidies to a different direction and to communicate climate change in a different way because if you communicate it differently you would get more support from from the general population as well and obviously to ensure a just transition and not to so that you don't have the the poorest part of the population suffering from climate action which shouldn't be the case yes so actually also what you're summing up right now it sounds well and it's true i i guess there's still a lot of work that needs to be done yeah. <laughs> um, and also, um, you just mentioned the current uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and it is quite depressing because it's very current, everyone ex is experiencing it now, but still a lot of people are not aware that the climate crisis is an even larger crisis yeah. that's, you know, just there happening now. And for me, that can be a very depressing thought at times, like how, how we're ever going to convince everyone we should take action we should do more so my last question for you is actually how do you stay positive you know with all this bad news and uh, and all the struggles um, how do you stay positive in this topic yeah honestly it, it can get a bit hard sometimes because if you read the news and just see what other people are doing or rather not doing it's kind of can get depressing that you kind of feel like you're doing everything, but it's so hard to get other people on board. But what keeps me positive is working with other people who are also really passionate about this and working so hard. So this could be an example of seeing other people in the climate kick journey, working in teams in like university societies, working on different projects such as Climate Talk and to see other people who are also really passionate about this and to kind of see that you're not you're not even if it sometimes seems like this you're definitely not the only one who's, who's trying to do something and to see that it's more and more people who are kind of trying to who are like who are doing stuff who are acting um which was seen really well with like Fridays for Future even though it's far from enough um this is something that I think is is very encouraging absolutely it gives yeah. some hope for the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by this, we would like to end our podcast for today. So thank you for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate your feedback on our social media channels. And of course, you can get in touch if you would like to be part of this podcast as a participant. Thanks a lot, Emma. It was really a pleasure talking to you and sharing all your work that you have been doing and that you will be doing as well in the future with us. That was such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> and good luck with your projects and would like to hear from you soon again. Thank you. <laughs>